are listening to Rumination Tuesday Law and Gospel. The hymn we're going to be looking at today is O God, O Lord of Heaven and Earth. And here it sounds. today. That hymn was actually commissioned by the Lutheran Council in the United States of America by Martin Franzman. Martin Franzman was a professor of mine at Concordia Seminary St. Louis, born in 1907, passed away in 1976, and he wrote this for the 450th anniversary of the Reformation in 1967. The hymn and Martin Luther's paraphrase of Psalm 67, May God Bestow on Us His Grace, are without a doubt two of the finest mission hymns ever written. Both hymns place the power behind growing the church in the right place with God. And unfortunately, that is rare in a lot of mission hymns. Stanza 4, which we'll be looking at, stands alone in its approach to the high praise of the triune God because it frames it as a prayer to the Holy Spirit. The composer was Jan Bender, and the name of the tune is called Wittenberg New. It is named after the Wittenberg University in Springfield, Ohio, where Bender was teaching at the time of its composition. And he does a wonderful union with the text in what he is writing. Uh, so, 
we're going to be taking a look at this hymn. And we have myself, Tom Baker, and with us is Mark Smith. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing fine, Tom, and enjoyed listening to the hymn at the outset. That was a wonderful rendition. Yeah. And it's going to be a hymn we're singing, definitely, at the congregations I'm at. Have you decided at your congregation? Well, I... I had a difficult decision. I really, I kind of wanted to, but you know, the uh, I love this hymn, but it is a different rhythm. It has a different rhythm to it. You know what I mean? The words, uh, uh, I don't know. I just thought it might be a little bit, I, I, I just, you know, I, 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 what can I say? I thought it. I don't know. I'm waiting for you to say something. (laughs) Well, you you think it might be a little difficult for the congregation to sing? uh, Perhaps it's just it's got a little bit. It's got a different rhythm to it. You know, it's 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 a unique hymn. It's really there's nothing nothing else, no other hymn that I can think of that's that's even close to it. Do you have a uh, a choir at the church? No, no, we don't. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to do it because uh, right now we have a tremendous pianist. And, in fact, we tape when he plays because he does wonderful things with the hymns. And I guarantee at our church the people are going to be singing from the rafters by the time we're done because he can really lead a congregation with this. Right, right. Uh, What we heard, by the way, uh, was a rendition from a congregation, and it was a choir that was singing. It wasn't yeah. the congregation. So each of us make a decision, but let's take a look at this. Sure. Because there are four great uh, verses. Would you read the first stanza, please? You bet. O God, O Lord of heaven and earth, thy living finger never wrote that life should be an aimless moat a deathward drift from feudal birth. Thy word meant life triumphant hurled in splendor through thy broken world. Since light awoke and life began, thou hast desired thy life for man. This is a mission hymn, and it begins, of course, talking about God. And one of the points that was made is that it is God who does the work of bringing believers into the church. This idea, thy living finger never wrote, where does Martin Franzman pick up that picture? Well, of course, that's, uh, uh, that's the idea that it's God who, who wrote the scriptures himself uh, through, through spirit-inspired men. Um, I think Isn't there a picture on the top of a cathedral ceiling? Oh, oh, you're thinking of the uh, creation, uh, God reaching out to Adam. Is that what you're thinking? Right, right. Okay. And he's pointing his finger. I was thinking of um, the Ten Commandments written by the finger of God. That's what I was thinking of, too. Yeah. Um, and the commandments are an ex- excellent example of thy living finger never wrote 
that life should be an aimless moat. Now, that's what a lot of people believe today, don't they? Yes. And of course, we need to define that word moat. I remember we, whenever we're faced with this, and we always have to think, well, what is moat? Moat, I looked it up in the dictionary, it's a speck. In other words, uh, his, his finger never wrote that, our, that life should be just an aimless speck, an aimless and endless speck. That's not what God intended at all our lives to be, just, just for nothing, like, like we're all a bunch of specks on a ping pong ball hurling through space. That's not his intention at all. Well, Martin continues, Martin Franzman, explaining that, a deathward drift from futile birth. Yeah, in other words, and a pointless, pointless birth. You know, that's not his intention excellent. at all. No. And, boy, do we have people today who think birth is futile because they're not having any problem in putting infants to death before they are born. That's right. That's right. And you think of those uh, totalitarian governments that uh, think nothing of of systematically murdering uh, thousands, if not millions of people. Same idea there. Well, what's the difference? We've got plenty of other people to take their place. That's not God's intention at all. Every, Every life is precious, particularly because every life is redeemed with the holy, precious blood of Christ. I read an article recently and was quite impressed by it. They were making the point that those who commit these murders actually are very selfish. They take a look and they don't want somebody to interfere with their life. Maybe they're in business or whatever, or they just don't want to have a baby. And so it's selfishness behind this and the church needs to be more aware in order to help people understand that we ought not be selfish because jesus was not selfish toward us he died so that we might live absolutely which franzman goes on thy word meant life triumphant hurled in splendor through thy broken world. What's he talking about there? Well, it's interesting. Here's an example of how sometimes the lines are split. You need to continue that line. Thy word meant life triumphant hurled in splendor through thy broken world. See, that's all, that's all one thought. That's all one sentence. And uh, uh, his, his word meant life. That's the gospel. That's the, that's the good news of the gospel. Uh, triumphant hurled in splendor through thy broken world, the world that was broken by sin, death, and hell. And uh, uh, that, that word, uh, the, well, of course, it, the word is capitalized. So is he talking about the gospel, or is he talking about Christ himself? Uh, it, it's essentially the same, the same meaning, right? Well, I would That's, say it is Christ, because the next line is, since light awoke, and life began, thou hast desired thy life for man. And what does Jesus say about life? I am... I am the way, the truth, and the life. Exactly. So you you can't even get out of the first verse without Jesus being front and center, hurled triumphantly into the world. 
you, you often don't think of his incarnation as a triumphant action. We can think of it as a miraculous action, but it was triumphant because he was beginning the ministry to save us from eternal damnation. Okay. I can't. I, I can't help but think that that uh, Professor Franzman was thinking. Perhaps he was thinking of the uh, of the the motto of Concordia Seminary: "The light from above." You know, the seal that has it, the light from above. I can't help but think that maybe he was thinking about that when he wrote this hymn. That's good. Yeah, I had forgotten that. That's a good point. All right, would you read stanza two? Our fatal will to equal thee. Our rebel will wrought death and night. We seized and used in prideful spite thy wondrous gift of liberty. We housed us in this house of doom, where death had royal scope and room, until thy servant, Prince of Peace, breached all its walls for our release. Isn't that a a beautiful verse? Oh, it certainly is. The words it, are it, magnificent. Yes, it certainly shows our fatal will. Why is it fatal? Because it attempts to equal God. Yeah. That's what it says. And that's what Adam and Eve did in that's the right. Garden of Eden. They believed the lie of the serpent that they would be like God. And every sin we do is a way of becoming like God or thinking that we're coming up like God. And, and of course, instead of making ourselves into God, our rebel will it brought death and night in contrast to, to God's light. We seized yes. and used in, in prideful, prideful spite, thy wondrous gift of liberty. You know, God gave us liberty. That's, that's a gift of God. And the liberty that we had originally in the Garden of Eden uh, you know, we threw that away, trying to yes. make ourselves into God. Exactly. And, and that shows once more, when he talks about in prideful spite, that's what we were talking about in selfishness, that we do the works that we want to do. And we take the freedom God has given us, his liberty, and we instead house ourselves in this house of doom. Yes, no kid. There's another there's another great line. We housed ourselves in this house of doom, uh building the wall of sin around us, an impenetrable wall that only God himself could break through his son. Where death had royal scope and room, you know, I mean, death reigned. Uh Jesus when he came, he had to overthrow. This was Satan's domain, and that's why Satan Uh, hurled everything he had at Jesus when Jesus came to planet Earth. Yes. And what did Jesus do? He was the Prince of Peace. Now, what peace is being talked about there? The the peace that surpasses all understanding. That's that's the peace that comes to us uh, when, when Jesus breached the walls for our release. The peace... Uh, that even even when the world may be falling down around us, the peace that surpasses all all understanding, uh, we have yeah. we have peace in Jesus Christ. We have eternal life and salvation in Him. Yes, the peace it's talking about is 
the peace we have now with God the Father, because right. the walls of hostility have been broken down by the Prince of Peace. And you don't think of the cross as a way of breaching the walls for our release, but that's exactly what the cross is all about. That's right. In fact, all right, a, a, great, a great picture of that would be a huge wall that's just bashed, bashed in two by Christ's cross. And that happened even in the Old Testament for the people at a certain city called Jericho. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. The walls came the tumbling walls, down. Exactly. I'll read verse 3. Thou camest to our hall of death, O Christ, to breathe our poisoned air, to drink for us the dark despair that strangled our reluctant breath. How beautiful the feet that trod, the road that leads us back to God. How beautiful the feet that ran to bring the good news, great good news to man. Once more, the stanza focuses on Jesus Christ. You can't get through this hymn without yeah. talking about Jesus Christ. He came himself to our to this house of doom, this hall of death that we ourselves had erected. Yes. To breathe our poisoned air, you know, to to uh, to become man, uh, man fully man except for sin, and to uh, and to undergo his state of humiliation uh, for our benefit. To and breathe his our suffering. poisoned air. To drink the suffering. Dark Think of and the suffering and the dark despair that he must have felt hanging on that cross when he was forsaken by his own heavenly Father. The very pangs of hell and and death that he suffered on that cross. The dark despair. My God, that's, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Yes, that's the road that leads us back to God. Right. How does that happen? Well. Uh, by by suffering the the hell and death that we all deserved, uh, he's taken on that he's he's that great divine exchange that he's made with us. He's taken all our sins upon himself and instead given us in in that in place of that his own righteousness, his robe of righteousness. So that when when we stand before the the throne of judgment on judgment day, God will look at us as perfect saints, not as sinners any longer. That's an excellent point, that the way we get back to God, Adam and Eve had that perfect righteousness, which they lost. Right. And now we receive it, we regain it back through not our obedience, long gospel, but through faith in Jesus Christ and by the means of the sacraments, namely baptism and the Lord's Supper. Right. All right. Stanza four, please. Oh, before we go to stanza four, isn't it neat how uh, how beautiful how beautiful the feet that trod the road that leads us back to God? How beautiful the feet that ran to bring the great good news to man. That's taken from uh, Romans chapter ten, verse fifteen. Uh, uh, you know, and and I I see that as uh, you know feet. Are usually not the one. Not the. Some people have better looking feet than others, 
But uh, we always laugh, you know, don't wear sandals to a church picnic. The, pa- the People don't want to see their pastor's feet. It's, it's not a pretty sight. But how beautiful are those feet that we know are bringing the precious good news? Uh, isn't, that, isn't that an interesting uh, point that, he, that uh, Romans ten fifteen makes? How, how precious and beautiful, even though they're unsightly themselves, how good it is to see those feet when we know they're carrying the gospel to us. And that's what the mission hymn is all about. Shall we go to verse 4 now? Sure. And it's a doxological verse. O Spirit, who didst once restore thy church, that it might be again the bringer of good news to men. Breathe on thy cloven church once more, that in these gray and latter days, there may be those whose life is praise, each life a high doxology to Father, Son, and unto Thee. And uh, Tom, yes. since this was written in the, was it the 450th anniversary of the Reformation? Is that right? Yes, it was. Yes. Well, I can't help but think, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's certainly a, 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 a point. It's pointing us not only to Pentecost when uh, the Spirit was wondrously outpoured upon uh, the chosen band and and, uh, right. the, and the church was kickstarted, but it also reminds us of what went on in the in the uh, Reformation when the gospel was, you could say, rediscovered by the great reformer and others. How would you explain "Breathe on Thy Cloven Church"? Well, the cloven, uh, well, the church, of course, is uh, uh, it, it, the body of Christ is undivided, except for the fact that there are there are parts of the church that place uh, their sin tainted reason above the clear word, and so there are div- there are some divisions within uh, within uh, the church at large, and uh, and we pray that God would continue to unite us. That's that's a good explanation, because he goes on that in these gray and latter days, and that's the point we need to get across to the congregation, that we are living in gray and latter days, that there may be those whose life is praise, each life a high doxology, and of course, to Father, Son, and unto thee. And who's the thee? Father, Son, and unto Thee. That would be uh, the Holy Spirit. Yes. See, this is what's unusual about this fourth verse. It's actually a prayer to the Holy Spirit. And uh, therefore, it's a great mission hymn and witness hymn because it is only through the gifts of the Holy Spirit that people come to faith, get baptized, receive the Lord's Supper, and assured of their salvation. Yeah, it's interesting that Martin Frosman, that he, you know, that he perceived in the day that he wrote this, 67, 1967, he perceived these as gray and latter days. It's kind of interesting. You know, he didn't, he, he didn't look at the world through rosy colored glasses at all. He could see, he could see how the church was challenged even then. Yeah, absolutely. As it, as it is now. And it really is, and it is again a call for us to preach the gospel 
to this cloven church to bring people into salvation. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Mark Smith. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. We'll continue tomorrow with a subject on law and gospel. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.